Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Open your Bibles to John chapter 3. I like this, man. Joel, Joel told me this was kind of fun. I like it because I can get right in Janet Porter's face out here <laughs> and say stuff. So I'll, I might use this. This is that's why we turn the lights up a little bit so we can see one another. Uh, Merry Christmas, by the way. We are approaching that day. Hopefully, you have all your Christmas shopping done. And uh, let's look here. I want to look at a, a kind of a scripture. I may, I'll give you a minute to find it. It's a little, a scripture just came to me this week. It's one that I uh, really studied intently uh, this week. It's in John, the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. So if you want to turn there, John 3, 16. You may not have never been in that part of the Bible before. John 3, 16, and uh, starting a new series here today called Love Gives, two weeks long today and Christmas Sunday. By the way, real quick, looking ahead, we got Christmas Sunday next week, and then the week after that is a, uh, it's kind of our end of year week where we typically review some things over the year and start to pivot toward the new year. It's like a hinge Sunday. The challenge of that Sunday is the day after Christmas so it's going to be a challenge. So get your gifts open, throw, get your house clean, throw all of your wrapping paper away, bring your favorite gift with you to show to others. And uh, as usual, we'll have coffee early out in the lobby, which we've been doing lately. I've been out there with my coffee, waiting for people, chatting with people, having a great time, prayed for some people today out in the lobby. So come early and join us. That's like a hinge Sunday. The first Sunday, Joel, we got a problem here. First Sunday of the year is... Uh, Hold on a second. I feel like I got that one table in the restaurant, you know, that's... Just talk among yourselves there a minute. Oh, it got worse. Hold on a minute. Yes, what was I saying? So the first Sunday, you got a sugar packet or something we can put underneath it? The first Sunday of the year is, uh, is Worship Sunday, which we tried it out this year, went back to our original roots of just going toward worship on Sunday. That's what we're going to do on the first Sunday of the new year. Thank you. Yeah, watch your head there. Yeah. Falling debris. Very good. I raised this boy. It's my son, Josh. Let's give him a good hand. <laughs> uh, first Sunday, and he has a llama. Show me your llama there. Good. Right. First Sunday of the year is uh, Worship Sunday, and we're just going to pull out the stops. We think it's a great way to start out the year. We did it this year. It was a blast. We had a great time. So that's first Sunday. Second Sunday, first Sunday used to be Vision Sunday. Second Sunday is Vision Sunday, and boy, have we got a lot to unpack for next year. This year, we were stronger together. That was our theme. Next year is going to be Possess the Land, and uh, we're going to go for it. I'm going to unpack what that really means in our lives in the second week of January. So we've got four weeks coming up of a lot of fun stuff spiritually to do, hang out together. So be sure to be a part of that. John 3, I was just stalling so you could get to this unknown verse in John 3, chapter 3, verse 16. So it says this, and the point of this verse is to, is to understand the initiation of God is always, always, say it with me, always, always, I like this, Joel. I need like orange strips on the side though, just so I don't walk off. The edge. I'm a little bit nervous out here. I think I'll return back to shore. Uh, so 
initiates everything by love. But here's the deal. Love typically is initiated by faith. You, you do things that you know are loving in order to bear forth fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and six others. Love, joy, and peace. So you initiate it in faith. Faith opens that door. That's why you say, but I don't want to do it. I, you know, I'm not in the mood for that. I don't want to give something to someone. Someone needs to give something to me. See, when you're in that mode, you're not in a faith mode. You're in unbelief. You're not realizing that the release, casting your bread upon the waters, even with this, this doesn't so much pertain in the moment to financial giving, but it does. Even financial giving, you release it in faith. <laughs> there have been times in our life, in our marriage, where it was a major sacrifice to tithe. Just to give 10%, you know. And it always still is. That's why I gave, turned it over to the bank to do auto pay so I don't have to feel the pain of it. No, it's because you release it in faith. And when you do, you understand this is a biblical principle that opens up doors. Do you want to please God? How many of you want to please God? The Bible says it with, <laughs> it's impossible to please God without faith. So how do you spell faith? John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard Movement, said R-I-S-K. That's faith. That's when you know you're moving in faith, when you're a little nervous about it. Like, So you're sowing in faith even though you do not feel like it. Remember what I talked about last week? It's part of the way your spirit begins to govern your emotions. Your spirit can take over this person called Steve Witt and say, you will do what I tell you to do, Steve. You're going to give. And then your mind says, we don't have enough money to give. Your emotions say, it doesn't feel good to give initially. I mean, all these things, your will says, no way, I'm not going to give. You know, but when you break through those barriers in your own life and begin to sow financially, sow in serving, sow to your neighbor, sow to whatever it is, when you begin to sow to that, I just heard the story of a guy the other day that found out his neighbor uh, had just lost his job and paid his house payment. A believer paid his house payment for a year and a half. Yeah, that's sowing. Now this person also is a giver into the church. This is above and beyond. This is not just their tithe. This is them saying, I'm gonna be generous. And I'll tell you, in that person's life, the generosity was, was the fruit came in so strong. Do you understand when you want fruit, we want fruit, right? Fruit, biblically, is a good thing. When you want fruit, somewhere, somewhere you've got to sow a seed. Somewhere you've got to sow a seed, and somewhere you've got to tend to that thing and water it periodically. And you know, you know how it is when you, like we, Cindy, not we, actually Cindy, plants these little, you know, in-house kind of garden that ends up going outside, herbs and things like that. And the little kids, the little grandkids, they love seeing it. You know, when it breaks out of the ground, you know, you're planting things, it breaks out of the ground, it's exciting, you're watering, not so exciting when it dies because you went on vacation and forgot to water it, but you know what happens. I'm planting a seed, but I'm believing for a harvest to come forth. There's something about that. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, you put it in your heart that I will be a seed sower my entire life. That's why even, even at Christmas time where we traditionally give gifts to one another, it was not so much a part of the, 
the uh, first Christmas, you know, it was giving to the child Jesus, and, and I don't know if the shepherds brought anything, but uh, maybe wool or something, but the, the three magi, we don't know if there's three, we're not sure if they were magi, we're not sure where they were from. But anyway, we three kings of Orient are, they came, the song is at least good, they came and they presented, we think it's three only because there's three gifts listed, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some, some believers say it was enough money to finance the escape into Egypt for Jesus and his family. Some believe it was enough money to, because it was a lot of money that were sown by these magi from a, from a far off land. It was enough money to actually help finance Jesus' business with his father, which ultimately he took over, and possibly even his ministry into the future. That's far out, that's pretty amazing. But three gifts came where they sacrificed, went over long land, gave this. Now we give to one another. And the question is, we give in faith, even if you're not feeling the love, but the ultimate goal is that love actually becomes the motivation of giving. Once the fruit of love gets into your life, uh, I shouldn't say faith is not necessary, but you are giving now without risk, understanding the way the kingdom works, that you know whatever I sow is gonna be poured back into me one way or another. It may not, come back, may not come back in the same sector of what I gave, but I know that when I pour out of myself and I sacrifice, there's always a great sacrifice that comes in our lives. When you sacrifice, something will happen in your future towards you. So in John three sixteen, it says this, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Now, this is an important verse for multiple reasons. And I'm going to go back to the beginning, and then we're going to fast forward to now. But God's intention all the time is giving out of love. Because he loves, he gives. Because he loved, he gave Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate on this season in our year, even though he was probably born in March, you know, it wouldn't work out because it'd be too close to Easter and it'd mess up our holidays. So we made it in December and it works quite fine. So it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. So this is a gift that not only benefited one person, but love gifts have transformational quality to it. I don't know if you've ever been the recipient of a love gift. You know, whether it's a, an engagement ring, you know, which I guess is a great love gift. It should be. It's motivated out of love. And a man gives it to a woman in faith that this is going to be a great, incredible relationship in the future. I'm sowing uh, into your life that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn. Gifts are not meant to condemn. Love is not meant to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved and meant to be redemptive gifts that changes life. So the gift is activated by your release in this verse. The gift is available to all, whoever. The gift is life-giving. And this is a word that came to me this week that I use rarely, but I, I like it. Here you have, you have favorite words? I do. I have words I repeat every week when I preach. And it's just, I, I like them. I like what they say. I love transformation. I love confluence. I love convergence. 
I love things where things come together and things are transformed. It's kind of my sweet spot spiritually, you know, when transformation comes into people's lives. Like the story I heard this week of a, of a young doctor who, I was going to bring him up, I wish I had more time, and well, I'll get it on video or something in the future, but $195,000 in uh, school debt. How many of you like to have that? $30,000 a year in interest. And God totally eliminated this week. Yeah. Let that sink in. That wasn't a very strong clap. I think there's something about the power of clap, too. That when you clap in faith, it's kind of like, Lord, do it to me. Lord, do it to me. So let me tell it again. 195000 That's more than I paid for the house that I live in right now. $195,000 in debt with 30000 interest a year totally forgiven this past week. Hey! Woo! <laughs> That's good! <laughs> Andre's standing up and clapping because he, he understands. He's in med school. He's always beyond. But anyway, you understand that kind of, that kind of weight that can be upon you. I mean, it was, it's a weight that could cause a nervous breakdown, really. I mean, that kind of a weight... And just to have that eliminated, do you understand the power of what that feels like in a family? I mean, so when, when we clap and respond, we're, we're engaging in faith on that and saying, yeah. I mean, did you see that golf clap we had originally? <laughs> a little tepid there, like, oh, yeah, lovely. Wasn't me, though. <laughs> if it was me, I wouldn't even be here today. I'd be running in the fields, clapping and rejoicing in the Lord. So... It's life-giving, it's transformational. When there's a gift, I'm not sure that the forgiveness was a gift of love from those who uh, held the debt, but we know it's a gift from God, that God came down and eradicated. How many stories have I heard like that in my life? Many, many, many that for God so loved that he gave, and when he gave it, his intention was worldwide transformation. Think about that. Think about a Christmas if we only gave one gift to each other. Now we do, I know, we got to have all kinds of gifts, and you know, I need to have five, I had to what you, give me your gift list, you know. I, I, sometimes I wish we'd go back to just one gift that is really important, that really has meaning, that caused you to ponder for many, many times, because that's the measure of love, typically on a gift, is the sacrifice that you made to get it. With Amazon now, there's not a whole lot of sacrifice. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> yeah, okay, done Christmas shopping. You know. But where you, you know, you, you're out at Target, you're out at, you know, wherever you shop, you're out there like, you know, you're moving through the crowds. I mean, that's when you really pay to sacrifice for, for the gifts. It's a real gift of love, you know. So there's sacrifice attached to it. So what we find out from that verse, uh, John 3, 16, this is the nature of God. That God's nature is love is expressed through giving. Now, that's important. You've got to hold on to that thought a minute. That giving is a powerful expression of love. If you give without love, and I know in this realm we do it all the time, and it's, you know, there's measures of love, and hey, I just bought this for you. I saw it or whatever. You, you know, you thought of them. That that's means something. But at Christmas time, there's probably a lot of gifts that you're not sure love was attached to. It was just on a list that you're required to fulfill for your children. And so you do that out of love, of course. But the deep love is the one that you really treasure, you think about. And I think in heaven, 
God understood that the inserting of the greatest prophetic word in history, which was Jesus Christ, he was the word made flesh. He was the word that came from heaven. He was God himself in the flesh that came down as a prophetic word to impact the entire world. And this is the prophetic understanding of it right here in John chapter three. Now, so think about that. Love in the kingdom of God, giving and love go together. Now turn to Genesis 1.1. I'm gonna read you another verse you probably haven't read in a long time. I do refer to this very often. It says this. You don't even have to turn there. You'll remember it. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now think about this. There's formless voids here. I've never heard anyone really clearly explain all this. There was something that existed that probably contained fallen angels, a place called this place. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. This is where the Lord likes to invade his love, because his love We'll find out in scripture in a minute. His love becomes life, which transforms everything about us. So the love becomes this, this life that is living, living and it, uh, it's transformational. So it says, without form and void, darkness is on the face of the deep, and the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. What else do we learn from this? That when, when something massively creative is going on, the entire Trinity is there, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, His Son, the Holy Spirit's there. The Holy Spirit is, is over the waters. There's a brooding, this kind of anointing presence of God. It's moving over the situation. And then God says, let there be light. And I love what it says. And it says, and there was light. So God's love, even in creation, God's love in sending Jesus, God's love is moving in micro-manifold ways worldwide every time we as a believer sow according to the Spirit, we are sowing in faith, and we can be guaranteed we will reap the fruit of the Spirit in that sowing. So one more, one more verse, John chapter 1. John 1 is a mystical blending of Genesis 1 and John 3.16, that's why I'm quoting it. So John 1, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they contain the traditional Christmas scene, you know, the, the, the manger, and, and the, you know, little variations of, of what degree of detail they give, but, you know, Luke, Matthew, Luke and Matthew especially are very good on this. Mark does well. Mark's a little bit shorter, more to the point. John 1.1 1, 1 says this, in the beginning, so that sounds very similar, to Genesis chapter one. In the beginning was the word, we find out as we read through this, this is a, uh, a name, a, a, it's being a euphemistic uh, name of Jesus himself. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. This is Jesus. He is the word. He is the prophetic word from heaven. In him was life. So we get love, we get life, 
And then the third, which I forgot a minute ago, is life, light. So love, life, light. His, your love produces life. It animates individuals. Did you know a love gift changes the person you're giving it to? Yeah, I mentioned a couple weeks ago when my father, you know, the biggest single gift he gave me prior to his death in 02 uh, was a car. And I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. It was a magnificent car. It was a top-of-the-line car, and it was brand new. It only had a couple thousand miles on it. It was his, but he was having a heart situation and couldn't drive. And so all summer long, he was hounding me about this car. In his own Mel Witt way, you know, he just, he would call me and he would say, I want to give you my car. And I'd say, Dad, you know, I'm a guy of faith. So I said, Dad, you're going to get better. Not always accurate, but I'm saying, you're going to get better and, and, and you're going to need this car. Don't, you don't need to give the car away. And if you saw the car at the time, it was, it was, it was a stunning, nice car, you know. Uh, and he said, uh, well, I want to give it to you. And I said, no, you know. And so this went on like for months, several months into July, you know, and he would call me and we'd have a normal conversation and he would say, hey, I want to give you my car. And I go, we've had this conversation before. You're going to get better and, uh, you know, just, just hold on to the car. Just take good care of it, you know. And he like, he was, he was a perfectionist when it came to things like that and it, it looked really good, you know. So about August, you know, he calls me and I, we go through this regular routine again where he says, hey, I want to give you my car. And I said, dad, <laughs> We've talked about it, Dad. You know, this is your car. You need to keep it. And he said, what's wrong with you? And it kind of shocked me. You know, I said, I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm trying to give you a car, and you won't take it. And honestly, I tell you, I, 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 I doubled down and said, Dad, it, it, I think this is, this is better, you know, that you not, not give it to me. And I hung up the phone, and I tell you, I, if... I don't want to say I've never felt the Holy Spirit like this, but I felt it pretty strong. I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me. I instantly heard what I thought was the Holy Spirit say, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, oh. And I realized someone's trying to give me a love gift, and I'm trying to, you know, I don't know, be whatever, and say, you know, I'm not that guy. I don't want to take something, you know, and... Uh, that, you know, is yours, and, you know, you worked hard for that and all that stuff. And so I got right on the phone. I mean, I'm talking within five minutes after the Holy Spirit said that, possibly within 30 seconds. But I called him, and I said, Dad. He goes, yeah, did you forget something? And I said, well, Dad, I I'm going to take your car. He's so wonderful. When are you going to come down? I said, I'll come down this week. I'll figure out how to get a ticket. I'll fly down there. He was in Louisiana. I flew down there, and between that time, even though he was having heart issues, he got the thing pristine. He got it done, and I'll never forget, I spent three days with him, and, you know, we, we spent time talking about the car and, you know, and everything. He was, he was really excited about the gift, and I was getting more excited about it because I realized, hey, this is going to be my car. And uh, the day of when we left, I left about 6.30 in the morning to drive that car home, and uh, he came out in his robe. I'll never forget. He was really thin because he had lost a lot of weight with uh, some of the sickness he had had, and he said, uh, I want to bless your car. I said, okay. So... I always get emotional at this point when I tell it, but he reached out his hand. He said, Lord, and he was, a, he was a man that lived deep in darkness and at age 46 got totally brought into the kingdom of God. So I'd watched him grow and in some ways had been a bit of a discipler to him uh, in his, uh, later in his life. And he reached out his hand in the way that I would if I was doing it. And he said, 
I prophesy over this car. I bless this car that it will be a blessing to them that every time Steve gets in this car, he will sense the presence of God on the gift of this car. And Lord, I bless it, Lord, that someday when he gets his kids all in this car, my kids were younger then, so when he gets all of his kids in this car, that they will, you know, going on vacation or whatever, they will enjoy the time of being in this car. It will be a blessing to them, you know. And then he, I, I hugged him. I got in the car. And as I've said, this is totally true, but I said, I'm all the way to Memphis. This is like, you know, four hours or three or four hours or so. I wept. And uh, I got to Memphis. And, you know, I was discovering as I was driving, because I was all alone, all the cool things on the car that it did. And back then, there were pretty cool things. I had, you know, automatic wipers that when it started raining, the wipers went on. You know, you really need that. And it did that, you know. And it had all these things that uh, maybe, maybe more common now, I don't know. But, but um, it did all that. So I called him up and said, Dad, this car is awesome. He says, I've been trying to tell you. And I said, okay, back off, Dad. Dad, back down. You know, it's going to be fine. And uh, I got home and, and, you know, we enjoyed it. It was funny. I brought it to church, this church. You know, I was a new church planner. We're only in this five years old, five years. And then I, I pulled up with this kind of expensive car. Everybody's like, oh, all right, you know, I wonder what's going on here, you know. So I had to get up publicly. I felt like getting gift as my license plate so that no one would ask questions about it, you know. <laughs> I mean, a young pastor with a nice car like that. And uh, I'm totally over all that now. I mean, you know, you'll see when I buy my Porsche. But anyway, it's... Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> I, I, I drove the car, I loved it. I tell you, there's so many times I'd get into that car and I'd be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. I never forgot that it was his gift to me. Never. And I knew that it was in love. It was the biggest thing he'd ever given me. I mean, he, he, he was a giver. He loved giving. But this was like, it was, you know, it was big. And I had to tell the story everywhere I went. Holy Spirit made sure. People go, whoa, where'd you get that car, you know? And I go, well, my dad, I told the story. That's why I'm so good at telling it right now. I've told it hundreds and hundreds of times. Because the Lord was wanting me, the testimony, to be something that transformed me, and it did. You know, the only way I can explain it is when you get married, you know, and I'm, I'm doing my lifetime. This would not apply to your lifetime. But when I got married to Cindy, I mean, the biggest event, this sounds really bad, biggest event financially in our week as far as spending, we were so tight on money that we would go to uh, Dairy Queen and get a caramel milkshake because we really liked those every week. That was it. We never ate out. I mean, now, you know, everyone eats out all the time, every day, twice a day, you know, it's just, it's our culture. But we never ate out. I mean, we were penny pinchers because we didn't have any pennies. We sowed, we, you know, we sowed in other people's lives. We tied like all this. We were in a season where we were watching it, you know, watching everything really close. And so you know what it's like if you've been in that moment, $5 is, is a lot of money. I mean, now that's a, that's a grande latte, you know, or something at Starbucks. But back then, that was like, okay, that's the treat for the week, you know. And that's just when you're, when you're young married, uh, a lot of people, that's, that's what they go through. They're pinching pennies, you know. And then, and then what happens is something happens, a raise or whatever comes along, you get money, whatever, or you just start growing up, and you expand that number. It gets up to 20 bucks. 20 bucks, a lot of money, you know. I can't spend $20 on that, you know. And then it becomes 100 somewhere. And then it becomes 1,000. And if you live long enough, <laughs> it can become... 10,000, well, I, could, I could exercise 10,000 under that. It's not a problem. You say, I'm not at that point yet. Well, you can get at that point. And so you see there's a stretching of the giving muscle and of the financial understanding. Let me just tell you right now, 
God, and I, I say this in a time where we're in some national crises right now, God wants to expand your realm of potential of what he can do in your life. He wants to take you, and I, I'm just using money right now only because it relates in this moment. He wants to take you from the $5, he might even want to take you to $100,000 or a million dollars. Right, Vaughn? Where's Vaughn at? Is he here? Yeah. He might want to take you to a million dollars, Vaughn. Are you ready for that? Is your, is your financial muscle ready for that? Yeah. He wants to stretch you out because this is God. God is endless. God is infinite. Someone on Facebook tried to challenge me this week that I was being silly about something I said on there, and I thought, okay, normally I just I either delete them or I'll, I'll just say, well, that's your opinion or something like that. This time I said, no, let's go back to back. We're going to go, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna deal with this thing, you know. And so I, I started going at it and talking about it, and I thought, this guy needs a certain muscle in his head expanded. So I'm going to work him out a little bit. And I went back and forth. And, said, oh, and finally he just said, look, it's obvious we're not going to agree. And so uh, he's probably watching right now. Sorry about that. But he's, he's we're not going to agree, you know. And I thought, well, well that's good. But I, I'm right. <laughs> this is right. There's, you know how the internet is. It makes everybody right. There's, there's, a, there's an expansion of understanding if he, it's, it, cause he was mocking the fact that God, basically, it's a waste of his time to talk about these kinds of things. And I thought, he's infinite. He has all kinds of time to waste because to him, it's not a waste. How does he take time to count the number of hairs on my head? That's a waste of time. I don't even know why he does it. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Like, why is that so important to God? You know, well, it's showing the infinite attachment that he has to you. That is transformational. So we start to look at this and we realize at the beginning of time, even in John chapter 1, which is a reference to the beginning of time and also telescopically, which you'd say in, in uh, theological circles, it, it was for then but now, for then but now, for then but now. It's like, I'm coming soon, for then but now. <laughs> you know, it's all, so much of the Old Testament, New Testament is then, but it also speaks to a future generation, right? It's messianic, it's prophetic. And so there's something dynamic about this. It speaks to your future. And in John 1, 1, it speaks to that, that in Christ, in God, as a prophetic word going forth, brings life, and that life brings light to everyone around you. Because when you've been transformed, you cannot hold it back. Jeremiah, I'm going out on the edge on this one. And Jeremiah says, it is shut up in my bones. I can't help but speak what is inside of me right now. There will be a time when such transformation comes into your life. It's already there. It's a little seed, but we hold it back, hold it back. It's very emotional. Your emotions are saying, you're not meant to be that emotional. Hold back on your emotions. You're right. I need to be more sophisticated. Someone just came to our church recently, and they said they talked to three other pastors in the area about this church, and they all said the same thing. The church is strange. <laughs> That's awesome. Some visitors here were like, I was just thinking that. This is a strange, strange church. This is kind of strange I like. I don't like all strange, but this is pretty good. That we're actually believing from Scripture 
that God can bring such transformation into our lives that we become people who sow in faith even when we do not feel it because it's the very nature of God that when you sow, when you love people, when you love the unlovables, it will come back like a tsunami upon you. <laughs> the end. <laughs> no, no. A few more here. Jump with me to Corinthians, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna crunch this into about a, a three-minute nutshell here. So what fascinates me about this is what Paul writes in Corinthians. Just uh, checking my notes here. Yes, where it says that in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter two, it says that, that the love of God compels us. So you have the love of Christ inside of you. When you let that love out, and we're more typical, typically we're more apt to give love during this season right now because it is a cultural phenomenon that we, we go around giving love. That love is meant to animate other people. Animate, if you, if you go to the original word uh, in Latin, uh, when you go to the original word, it's about breathing life. That when you love and you give, that gift is meant because of the love, not necessarily the size of the gift. Sometimes a gifts that animate have no value to them in, the, in this side of heaven. You know, maybe it's a keepsake or something that you had that, that was, you know, owned by your grandparents or something like that, and you sow it into someone else's life, you know, it is meant to be an animation where it brings life into you. It's the same thing as when Jesus breathed upon his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and they were, boom, they were knocked out by the power of that Holy Spirit that came upon them. We are meant to go around and animate people through our giving. And so in Corinthians, it talks about Gifts of the Spirit. And it speaks of gifts of the Spirit. And I'll just, uh, I'm just going to overview. <clears throat> Excuse me. 12, 13, and 14 is this, is this big cheeseburger in Corinthians. It's got two buns and a, and a beef in the middle. <clears throat> and the two buns are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I may talk about this a little more next week because we have the greatest gift of all in Jesus Christ. But in the Holy Spirit, you are born of the Spirit, according to John 3. When you're born of the Spirit, you receive the availability of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they're listed in the New Testament. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. It's a starting point. But it talks about these various supernatural Avenger-like powers that come upon you because of the Holy Spirit that are exercised and activated through faith. And you, you can do them in one of two ways. And it, go, it goes into talking about it. So it describes these gifts in, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit, different kinds, different kinds of service, different kinds of uh, uh, distributions, different kinds of gifts, different kinds of working, but the same, same gods at work. And then it lists them all, things like word of wisdom and knowledge and faith and gifts and prophecy, miraculous uh, powers, things like that. And so all of chapter 12 is the, it's the bun part of the cheeseburger here. The bun part is that, wow, you've got some stuff you could really do. You now can access, you can access this realm. <clears throat> 
I spent two and a half hours yesterday moving cryptocurrency. Uh, and if you don't know anything about cryptocurrency, there's a special, <coughs> excuse me, there's a special language attached to it, and I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to learn the language. And so because, you know, someone normally half my age uh, would do this transfer in probably five minutes. Be like, you know, how fast those fingers go. And it's there. Two and a half hours later, with coaching, I got it transferred, you know. And I realized, you know, once you get it transferred, you're, I, I told the guy who was helping me, coaching me, I said, uh, tell me this is going to get easier down the road to do this. This is ridiculous how much time it took. But I realized when you, when you do something, as arduous as it might be, it puts you in a position of now having access to something bigger. You have access to the whole crypto world, whatever you want to buy, whatever's out there that's, that's of your curiosity, you have access. Now, in Jesus Christ, I'm just trying to bring this up into the real world here right now, just like cryptocurrency, you have been endowed with tokens from heaven. And those tokens are like money. And those tokens can buy things that can increase and give you amazing superpowers, a little bit here on earth, but a whole lot in the kingdom of God because you've engaged with them. And so that is when you walk, you are moving in the gifts of the Spirit. And get this, the gifts are without repentance. You know what that means? He gives the gifts to people that are not perfect. Anyone in this room not perfect? You qualify. It's not about, it's about what Jesus did, not about what you did. Or do. And so the gifts are given to you. What that means is a lot of gifts are going to be abused at times because they're moving through earthly vessels. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is telling all these amazing, it's like the candy store of, of uh, chapter 12, like, whoa, man, this is going to be amazing, all the stuff you can do. And then he hits chapter 13. Chapter 13 is the meat of the sandwich, and this is it. He says, there is a better path. In fact, he says right at the end of chapter 12, verse 31, he says, there, let me show you a most excellent or more excellent way. And then verse thir chapter 13 comes. This is the crux, and then I'll be done. If I speak in tongues of men of angels, well, you can't. As a spirit-born person, You've got some amazing spiritual powers that you can move in. But if I speak of tongues of men and angels, whoo, what a powerful thing that would be to get words and know a language I don't know and speak that out. It says, but do not love. You're only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Oh. If I have the gift of prophecy, which would relate to this house, we really lift up the gift of prophecy just as because Paul did. And we believe Jesus did, Jesus did too. Verse two, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and he throws in another one right on top of it, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all my possess to the poor, that's a big deal. I don't know if anyone's ever done that, particularly when you had things. I mean, when you're, when you're broke, it's easy to give everything you have. You have nothing. But as you begin to accumulate over a lifetime, which every believer by God's grace can do, 
As that begins to grow, you say, I possess, give all I have to the poor and give over my body to hardship. Actually, some it says martyrdom. That I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I mean, you imagine that, giving your body to be burned and showing up in heaven? <laughs> this won't happen, I'm just saying. In Steve's world, it would. And then angels say, dude, what were you doing? What do you mean? What do you mean? I gave my whole body to be burned. I know, but it wasn't in love. There's nothing for that. Can I go back? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't want to hear that. You go, well, nothing like that is stated in heaven. You need to read scripture. It gets pretty interesting about some of these things and how rewards are, are handled in heaven. So the bottom line is in this meat of this 12, 13, 14, he's saying, look, move into gifts, but it's interesting in chapter 14, let's all stand together so you know I'm done. Oh, I wish I had more time. Chapter 14 says this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Do you see the tandem there? Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. So faith, by faith, you move in the gifts. The Lord showed me this in 2918, uh, three years ago. Almost, yeah, three years ago. He showed me in a dream, and I wrote about it in the book. The two nines. Uh, two nines 18, it's a golf course. And there was a golf ball in the dream, so it kind of made it come together. The two nines, the gifts and the fruit. See, typically in the church, we say you've got to have the fruit before you can work in the gifts. Here, we say move in the gifts and let those gifts perfect you and sanctify you in Christ. Wait, we're, we're giving immature people heavy weaponry? Yes. Because <laughs> you learn. You learn from it. And when you move in the gifts of the Spirit, you will get the fruit of the Spirit. It's the only way it can come. You want love, you want joy, you want peace, you yield yourself. You, yield, you give yourself. Oh, there's so much here. I'll catch up in Middleburg. If you want to follow me up there, I'm going up there right away. I'll unpack it better. But we do what we do because the fruit of the Spirit is on the other side of it. Love, joy, peace. You might do something without, with minimal love right now. God's intention is that the full love of God be upon us in everything that we give. That what a joy it'll be given, even if it's a little thing. I give this to you because I love you. What a powerful thing. You know, cards, Christmas cards are nice and I like reading them and the glitter and all the stuff that's on the Christmas card. But when they choose to put a personal word in there, ooh, the value of the card goes way up. Why? Because it's love. And I understand not everyone's good at writing and all that stuff and they'll underline words, you know. The words that are underlined take special value because they were underlined. Oh, I think I know what they're saying. I can pick up what they're putting down. But when you get the word, it changes your life. This church, if we fulfill the purposes of God in our life, we're gonna be a people that come together on Sunday morning, energized by the power of the Spirit, leave full and go out filled with the gifts of the Spirit. And we activate them because we want to know the love of God. When you pour out into others, when you serve in the church, well, I don't know if I can handle children's ministry. Well, give it a shot. 
pass our background check, <laughs> give it a shot, get involved in children's ministry, it could change your life. You may learn how to love back there with the kids on Sunday morning. Serve, love, and give during this season, remembering it's the nature of God to do that. If you're here today, come on up, Joel. If you're here today uh, and you do not know Jesus Christ, Joel's going to tell you all about that in a minute. Pray for everyone, and then we'll go. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.